You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show once again. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado, for episode 210 of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show 145 of season three, more specifically. Today, we're going to talk about the latest news concerning vaccine mandates in the United States of America. The land of the free and the home of the brave has a president who is announcing his plans to direct the Department of Labor to develop a rule that companies with more than 100 employees will require vaccinations or once-per-week testing for their workers, potentially affecting tens of millions of U.S. private sector employees, according to the White House, as per reporting by the Epoch Times. Before we get into that a little bit more in-depth, I'd like to talk briefly about classic new guy overcorrections. I was talking with J.P. Chavez, Paul Pavlik, personal friends of mine today about something I think I may have done, which came to the fore as we were discussing how my first two sermons for this preaching and teaching training went. And I won't go into all the nitty-gritty details, but a short story is that I think maybe I misunderstood some feedback they gave me a few weeks back. And not only did I perhaps misunderstand their feedback, I also, even if I had understood their feedback correctly, perhaps overcorrected. I overcorrected for the feedback that I had gotten and then was confused when the new tweaked process did not achieve the goals that I had in mind. And so it's interesting to me, in light of something Jocko Willink, Navy SEAL commander, author, co-founder of Echelon Front, talks about on his podcast... He refers to it as classic new guy overcorrection. And he tells stories about training Navy SEALs, running them through courses, combat courses, tactical drills, whatever, and then observing certain behaviors that maybe could use a little work. That's the whole point of training. You don't go through training because you've got it all figured out and you're going to show everybody how fantastic you are by default, you go through training because you need to acquire new skills, new habits, new awareness, new understanding, new capabilities. You go through training to expand your capabilities. And a trainer will help you to figure out where you're at and how to get to those expanded capabilities. That's what training is about. But Jocko talks about how all too often he'll give feedback. Like, for instance, I want you to be a little more aggressive the next run through this course. 
And then the next run through, this guy's not only a little more aggressive, he's way more aggressive. He's extremely aggressive. He's cranking it to 11. And his feedback then is, whoa, 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 whoa. I said a little more aggressive. Not this. This is too much. You overcompensated. Classic new guy overcorrection. And I think that might be something that we all do from time to time. It certainly is something that I do from time to time. Overcorrect. And then, hey, wait a second. We're fishtailing. Let's bring it back in. Let's do some slight adjustments. See where we're at. Some more slight adjustments. See where we're at. There's something Daniel Coyle talks about in The Talent Code, which is this great book about talented, skilled people who are world-class in what they do. And there's something he calls deep practice. And he talks about the 10,000-hour rule and how in order to be world-class, you've got to put 10,000 hours into doing something. But no two people's 10,000 hours are going to be the same. Lots of things affect the way you specifically can practice something for 10,000 hours. So no two masters of a certain thing are masters of the same precise thing because we practice differently. And if you practice in the way that masters practice, it isn't only important how many hours you put in, but it's also important the way in which you practice. And you can acquire skill much quicker by doing this thing he calls deep practice. Now, what is deep practice? Deep practice is you try something, stop, evaluate, tweak, re-engage, stop, evaluate, tweak, re-engage. And you just keep doing this over and over and over again. And the more you pour yourself into that process of adjusting, of refining, of assessing, of adapting, of modifying your approach, the quicker you will acquire new insight into how to do that thing better. Now, if you keep doing the same thing, keep making the same mistakes with no correction, well, then you're going to get 10,000 hours of practice and you're going to become a master at doing this thing. Not the best, but if you're constantly tweaking, re-engaging, tweak, re-engage, tweak, re-engage, tweak, re-engage, before you know it, you are much, much better than you used to be at that thing. That's interesting to me with regards to the Christian worldview and this Christian narrative, particularly with regards to the Great Commission, which we talked about in recent episodes of this podcast. The Great Commission states, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them teaching them. Yes, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but you're teaching them to observe and to obey all that Christ commanded. You are helping them to become the wise man who built his house on the rock, not on the sand, on the rock, because storms will come. It's not whether they'll come, it's when they come. When storms come, 
your house will stand if it is built on the rock of what Jesus commanded. If your faith is in Christ, that's going to see you through the storms when they come. But here's part of what that entails. Jesus makes a command. Do this. Do likewise. I say unto you, you've heard that it was said. Engage. Stop. Assess. Adjust. Re-engage. That is one of the big functions of Christian fellowship and the church when we are being faithful to what we have in the scriptures. That is one of the big main primary functions in addition to encouraging, in addition to teaching and preaching and worship and all these things that are good. Fellowship is good. But that process of edification involves engaging with what Jesus has commanded and what he taught and what he left us in the way of promises, clarifications, revelations. You engage those things, and not just mentally, but with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you love your neighbor as you love yourself in light of what Jesus says about loving God and loving your neighbor, how to love God and how to love your neighbor. And you don't do it perfectly, but you stop. You assess. If you find that you've sinned against someone, you go and you make things right. You repent. You restore that relationship. If you find that you've sinned against God, you stop. You assess. You repent. You confess your sin to God. And you re-engage. You tweak and you re-engage. You turn away from what it was that you were doing, how you were relating to God and your fellow man. You turn away from that and toward faithfulness, toward righteousness, toward obedience to all that Christ has commanded. And that's central to the Great Commission. So this preaching and teaching business is a great little microcosm of what we need to be doing in order to be on mission. And I don't mean on mission in some foreign country. I mean on mission here. Because lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, the United States of America needs missionaries. The United States of America needs Jesus. We need revival in this country. We need repentance in this country. Now, speaking of, Consider this piece by the Epoch Times. And I quote Jack Phillips from his piece published today, Biden plans COVID-19 vaccine mandate for 80 million private sector workers. The administration's rule will require that all employers with 100 or more employees to ensure their workforce is fully vaccinated or require any workers who remain unvaccinated to produce a negative test result on at least a weekly basis before coming to work which will affect more than 80 million workers in the private sector. During remarks on September 9th, Biden said that the United States can and will turn the tide against COVID-19 by mass vaccinations while casting blame at the 80 million people who haven't been vaccinated. Quote, we're in a tough stretch, he said. Quote, this is not about freedom or personal choice. End quote. 
but is about protection against COVID-19. The president further claimed the unvaccinated are, quote, crowding our hospitals, end quote, and said vaccines provide protection against COVID-19 hospitalizations. The Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, will issue an emergency temporary standard to implement the requirement the White House document stated it didn't mention religious exemptions or individuals whose doctors have recommended against getting COVID-19 shots. Biden will sign an executive order requiring most federal employees and contractors to get a COVID-19 vaccine without the option of getting regular testing, according to the document. Federal workers unions suggested on September 9th that they would accept the vaccine mandate. It isn't clear if the U.S. Postal Service will be under the new mandate. Now that said, another piece I read, which could be mistaken, it might turn out to be other than what this piece was reporting, stated that an exemption would be offered to the U.S. Postal Service after the U.S. Postal Service complained about this. But whether that ends up being the case or not, this is an overreach of the President of the United States of America, if ever there was one. Moving on over to theblaze.com, we read a very similar piece by Carlos Garcia, also from today, titled, President Biden announces sweeping vaccine mandate for employees of large businesses. Plan will affect more than 80 million Americans. President Joe Biden announced on Thursday a sweeping vaccination mandate for large businesses that would affect more than 80 million Americans. Biden's mandate will require employees to be vaccinated or submit to weekly testing. The president said that he was enacting the plan because of a recent spike of the pandemic due to the Delta variant. Quote, we're in a tough stretch, Biden said, and it's going to last for a while, end quote. If you want to do business with the federal government, get your workforce vaccinated. Also a quote there. Yet another quote, this isn't about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting those people around you and the people you love. Yet another quote, my message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. In August, Dr. Anthony Fauci said there would not be a federal vaccine mandate while calling on local governments and businesses to issue their own mandates. Quote, this is very serious business, Fauci said at the time. Quote, you would wish that people would see why it's so important to get vaccinated, but you're not going to get mandates centrally from the federal government, end quote. So here's the long and short of it. Fauci lied. He lied. So it was a suggestion at first. Hey, we really want you to do this. And then about a third of the country said, no, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. This is really not kosher. This doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel necessary. I'm not going to do it. And now you have the president of the United States of America saying, we're going to make you do it. So what ends up happening? 
What ends up happening if 80 million, 100 million Americans just say no? Like the Saturday morning cartoon commercials you watched, I watched growing up, just say no to drugs. What happens if 80 to 100 million Americans just say, no, we're not going to do it. Virus will quit. Or businesses say, "Mm, no, we're not going to force our people to do that. What if you have a class action lawsuit? What if you have mass noncompliance? What if you have healthcare workers who say, I'm not going to participate in this? No. Where is this going? Time will tell. When push comes to shove, how do people respond when their livelihood is threatened, when their ability to earn an income is threatened? You can't go to work, you can't earn an income, you can't pay for housing, food, clothing, fuel, insurance, anything. This is violence. It's intimidation. It's not right. This is tyranny. Now you can say it's tyranny for a good cause, but that's what tyrants always say. Again, it's one thing to say, hey, there's a lot of really good sound reasons why you should get the vaccine. We really, really want you to get this vaccine. We're going to encourage you. We're going to show you the data as we see it. We're going to make the case as we see it. But it's quite another thing to say, you're going to lose your job if you don't do what we tell you to. You're going to lose your ability to participate in the economy, like a premier out of Australia recently said. We're going to shut you out of the economy and the workforce. That's some really dystopian stuff. I can't help feeling like we would still be in control of Afghanistan if Biden were being half as assertive with the Taliban as he is being right now with the American people. But alas, it is what it is. And so we have to figure out what we're going to do about it. Now, a bit of bright news in the midst of all this. There's a piece from Ryan Saavedra reporting for thedailywire.com. Headline from today again. Governors immediately push back on unconstitutional Biden plan. We'll fight them to the gates of hell. And I quote, Numerous governors have issued statements following Democrat President Joe Biden's speech on Thursday signaling that they will strongly oppose his attempts to mandate vaccines. The pushback from governors comes after the administration said on Thursday that the Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration will force all employers with 100 or more employees to ensure their workforce is fully vaccinated or require any workers who remain unvaccinated to produce a negative test result on a weekly basis before coming to work. Immediate reaction from governors. And I will read this whole list because I think it's important. Tate Reeves, Mississippi. The president has no authority to require that Americans inject themselves because of their employment at a private business. The vaccine itself is life-saving, but this unconstitutional move is terrifying. This is still America, and we still believe in freedom from tyrants. What did I tell you? Biden is being a tyrant. God bless Tate Reeves for calling him a tyrant. 
A spade is a spade. Brian Kemp from Georgia. Quote, I will pursue every legal option available to the state of Georgia to stop this blatantly unlawful overreach by the Biden administration. Christy Nome, South Dakota. Quote, my legal team is standing by, ready to file our lawsuit the minute Joe Biden files his unconstitutional rule. This gross example of federal intrusion will not stand. Henry McMaster, South Carolina. The American dream has turned into a nightmare under President Biden and the radical Democrats. They have declared war against capitalism, thumbed their noses at the Constitution, and empowered our enemies abroad. Rest assured, we will fight them to the gates of hell to protect the liberty and livelihood of every South Carolinian. Doug Ducey of Arizona. This is exactly the kind of big government overreach we have tried so hard to prevent in Arizona. Now the Biden-Harris administration is hammering down on private businesses and individual freedoms in an unprecedented and dangerous way. This will never stand up in court. This dictatorial approach is wrong, un-American, and will do far more harm than good. How many workers will be displaced? How many kids kept out of classrooms? How many businesses fined? The vaccine is and should be a choice. We must and will push back. Asa Hutchinson, Arkansas. I fully support continued efforts to increase vaccination rates across our nation, but the federal government mandates on private businesses are not the right answer. I have been consistent in the freedom of businesses to require their employees to be vaccinated, and I have opposed the government from saying businesses cannot exercise that freedom. The same principle should protect private sector from government overreach that requires them to vaccinate all employees. Now, I disagree with Asa Hutchinson. I think that's dumb. I think it's retarded. A business should not have the right to require you to get a COVID vaccine, which has not been tested satisfactorily, whose FDA approval was rushed through only because so many Americans were saying, I am not going to get this because it's not even FDA approved. Why should I get a vaccine that's not even FDA approved? Okay. Hello, FDA? Yeah. Approve this vaccine right now. Okay. Click. No. Nope. Kim Reynolds from Iowa. Quote, President Biden is taking dangerous and unprecedented steps to insert the federal government even further into our lives while dismissing the ability of Iowans and Americans to make healthcare decisions for themselves. Biden's plan will only worsen our workforce shortage and further limit our economic recovery. As I've said all along, I believe and trust in Iowans to make the best health decisions for themselves and their families. It's time for President Biden to do the same. Enough. Greg Jean Forte from Montana, my home state. Quote, President Biden's vaccination mandate is unlawful and un-American. We are committed to protecting Montanans' freedoms and liberties against this gross federal overreach. There you go. Kevin Stitt, Oklahoma. Quote, it is not the government's role to dictate to private businesses what to do. Once again, President Biden is demonstrating his complete disregard for individual freedoms and states' rights 
As long as I am governor, there will be no government vaccine mandates in Oklahoma. My administration will continue to defend Oklahoma values and fight back against the Biden administration's federal overreach. Now, I will argue the point here, Kevin Stitt. It's not the government's role to dictate to private businesses what to do. That's not 100% true. That's not a strong argument. Sometimes the government can and does dictate to businesses what they must do. We do have laws, and I'm okay with there being laws against people being harmed by a product, false advertising, abusive employees, abusive working conditions. I'm okay with there being some laws from the government towards employers for what they must require and must not require. The problem here is this is the government demanding that employers abuse their employees. This is the government trying to threaten the jobs of Americans for noncompliance. In other words, it's trying to make employers into the police for this action. That's what this is. We're going to require that you do this. Part of why is because the government can't require, can't depend on, can't rely upon actual police to enforce these orders. Call the cops on somebody because they haven't been vaccinated. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck getting the police to go and arrest some guy because he refused to get a vaccine. No. The cops are going to tell your administration to go pound sand, especially after you encouraged and emboldened and gave aid and comfort to domestic terrorists last year. Cop killers. Yeah. Good luck with that. Go pound sand. K. Ivy, Alabama. Quote, Once again, President Biden has missed the mark. His outrageous, overreaching mandates will no doubt be challenged in the courts, placing more burdens on both employers and employees during a pandemic with the rising inflation rates and lingering labor shortages is totally unacceptable. Alabamians have stepped up by rolling up their sleeves to get the COVID vaccine. Increasing our doses administered significantly in recent weeks, we have done so without mandates from Washington, D.C. or Montgomery. I've made it abundantly clear. I support the science and encourage folks taking the vaccine. However, I'm absolutely against a government mandate on the vaccine, which is why I signed the vaccine passport ban into law here in Alabama. This is not the role of the government. I continue encouraging any Alabaman who can to get the COVID-19 vaccine. We have a safe and effective tool at our fingertips. So let's roll up our sleeves and get this thing beat. Y you know what? That's the nanny state. Sorry, you shouldn't even be doing that. This is the nanny state, which is not so much better than Big Brother. Big Brother from 1984, George Orwell's famous dystopian novel. The nanny state doesn't need to be coming in and saying in a manipulative pressure campaign, trust the science. Do your part. Get vaccinated. Sorry. No. Stop it. Get some help, as Michael Jordan would say. 
Greg Abbott from Texas. Quote, Biden's vaccine mandate is an assault on private businesses. I issued an executive order protecting Texans' right to choose whether they get the COVID vaccine and added it to the special session agenda. Texas is already working to halt this power grab. And God bless Texas. And God bless Texas. This is the kind of language that is needed, not the hand-wringing, not the equivocating, not the, well, kind of, sort of, you shouldn't probably be a tyrant, but we'll try to do what you're telling us to do, but we're not going to do it because you told us to do it or threatened us, but we're going to hope that somebody stops you, but we're not going to stop you. But we want to go on the record as being very brave in case somebody else stops you. Some of these governors, I'm sorry, I didn't read this before I read it to you. I just saw the headline. I thought, man, that sounds encouraging so far. But some of these governors who are saying what they're saying, they're not being clear. This is not a clear call to action. They're grandstanding. They're virtue signaling. And they're almost also signaling their willingness to concede. Just say no. How's that? How's that for a statement? One word, no. No. Some people need to hear the word no. But that is really what this is about now. It's really not first and foremost about science and about public health. This is first and foremost now about control. And I'm sorry, I dare say about idolatry. Do whatever I tell you to do. I say jump, you say how I. Simon says, pat yourself on the head while also rubbing your belly in a semicircular pattern, 12 inches in diameter. What? You're not going to? We'll see about that. No. No. Yes, let's go to court. But in the meantime, no. Just say no. Mike Parsons, Missouri. Quote, the Biden administration's recent announcement seeking to dictate personal freedom and private business decisions is an insult to our American principles of individual liberty and free enterprise. This heavy-handed action by the federal government is unwelcome in our state and has potentially dangerous consequences for working families. No, 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 not potentially. Not potentially, actual, actual dangerous consequences for working families. Remember last year when the government said 15 days to slow the spread? And then that turned into months and you couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to the grocery store unless it was a big box chain, unless it was Walmart. You couldn't go to your grandmother's funeral. Like in my case, I didn't feel like I could go to my grandmother's funeral in Florida, but you could go to Home Depot. You could go to Lowe's. You could go to King Supers, but don't go to church. Remember how many people were told that their jobs were non-essential? Remember that? Your job's non-essential. We don't need you. Stay home. Remember how suicide rates went through the roof? Remember how domestic violence went through the roof? Remember how violent crime, how homicide went through the roof? You shut businesses down. You keep people from being able to go to work. You tell them that they're non-essential. Because you've got to have control 
because it makes you feel safe somehow or whatever. Real people, actual people were hurt and yes, killed by those decisions. So it's not potentially dangerous consequences for working families. The people that are making these decisions are multi, multi, multi millionaires who have spent their careers, their entire working lives, some of them, many of them, in government, in bureaucracy. And this is the opportunity to stick it to the folks who voted for Trump. Let's reassert our dominance. We're going to govern you harder than ever to teach you some respect, to teach you some manners so you know who your betters are. It's not potentially dangerous consequences. It's actual dangerous consequences. Mortal danger. Continuing on, Mike Parson. Vaccination protects us from serious illness, but the decision to get vaccinated is a private health care decision that should remain as such. My administration will always fight back against feral power grabs and government overreach that threatens to limit our freedoms. Now again, this is not a very sophisticated argument. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's just not. The argument is not, don't you dare ever, ever, ever curtail my freedom for any reason whatsoever. It's a question of, is this a justified curtailment of my freedom? And are you potentially risking my health and safety and the health and safety of my family on dubious grounds? It's not a question of, is there some benefit? It's a question of, does the benefit outweigh the cost? And that is not a fixed question that's the same for absolutely everybody. There are actual people that are harmed by vaccines, period. You don't like it? What's your agenda? Why would you dispute that? You're in healthcare and you've pushed vaccines and you hate the idea of someone saying, maybe just maybe you've hurt some people accidentally. Read Destiny of the Republic about an arrogant doctor who insisted on taking over care of James A. Garfield after he was shot by a would-be assassin in the train station. Do you know what killed James A. Garfield? It was not the assassin. It was the doc. It was the doc who kept probing for that bullet with dirty hands and dirty instruments further and further and further and further, over and over and over again, who scoffed at the idea of germs, of infection. And before you know it, James A. Garfield has died a long, slow, painful death that was totally unnecessary at that point for those reasons. But this guy, this guy thought he was so much smarter and he insisted and on getting his own damn way. And next thing you know, a president, actually I think one of the few men in America's history who really, really should have been president because he didn't want it. Because he didn't want to be president. Usually the folks who want to be president the worst are the people who really shouldn't be president. But the point is not that Government should never curtail or limit our freedoms. No, we all accept, conservatives accept the premise that our freedoms must be curtailed. For instance, look at the Ten Commandments. As a conservative Christian, I'm theologically 
conservative first and foremost, thereafter socially conservative, thereafter fiscally conservative, thereafter politically conservative. But look at the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. How dare you limit our freedoms? No. No, I'm all, I'm all about limiting that kind of freedom. How about abortion? Right? This is such an odd look for Democrats. It's such an odd look for the Biden administration. You're going to have Merrick Garland file lawsuits against the state of Texas because of their heartbeat legislation regarding abortion. In Texas now, you can't get an abortion if the heartbeat can be detected. Oh, you can't do that. It's a woman's body. It's a woman's choice. Well, actually, no. No, if you really believed that, you'd have something to say about the body and the choice of that unborn child who's being brutally murdered. Shut up. You're an insincere, evil, crazy person. So what happens to my body, my choice? Where is my body, my choice in all of this? Let me put it to you this way. <clears throat> Broadly speaking, in general terms, something is going to be put into your body against your will or else. Or else you lose your job. Or else you lose your income. Or else you lose your ability to provide for your family. It's a kind of rape. And just like a lot of things I've read and heard say about actual sexual assault and rape, it's not first and foremost about the act itself. It's about the power. It's about getting power over this other person. That's why this has to be opposed with the utmost intensity and ferocity. No. No. You know, if you read church history, read early church history. And when I say early church history, I mean the first 500 years of the history of the church when the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians before Constantine, before Eusebius, or during Eusebius's lifetime. Eusebius records in the church history that Christian women who expected to be arrested and raped and sexually assaulted by Roman soldiers, by Roman governing officials, as a way of punishing them and their families and the Christian community, killed themselves. And not just a little like here and there. There's a lot of stories in Eusebius about this happening. And you could say, oh, well, this seems rather dramatic. No, 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 no. For all the flack that I think Constantine deserves for not living this paragon of virtue type life, the rival claimants to the imperial throne that he was engaged in a civil war against were satanic, period. And I mean that. I don't say that hyperbolically. I mean, they were satanic. They were evil, 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 evil men, corrupt men who had it out for Christianity in an intense way. They were invoking demons to try and get power for themselves, and they were being absolutely as corrupt and evil 
as they possibly could be to try and stamp out Christianity in the Roman Empire. Satan was using those pagan emperors or claimants to the imperial throne, I should say, to try to stamp out the church. And Eusebius records that chaste Christian women during these persecutions sometimes, occasionally, killed themselves rather than be subjected to that. Now, I'm not saying that we should kill ourselves rather than accept a vaccine. That's not what I'm getting at. But I am saying we have to ask, where is this going? Does it stop with this? Or should we be listening when there are speeches given in the country just north of ours by pretty boy Justin Trudeau that they intend fully, his government intends fully, to take the lessons learned through COVID and apply those to climate change. So let me get this straight. You're going to force a vaccine. That's what it is right now. And then what? And then you'll combat climate change and you'll promote social justice and you'll fight systemic racism and you'll promote critical race theory. And what's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next red line and the next and the next and the next. You got to take my kids away because I'm going to teach them that there's only two genders. I'm going to teach them about what God's word says regarding sexuality and the purpose of our existence and the gospel. You might take my children away because I don't buy into your neo-Marxist, cultural Marxist paradigm. Your anti-capitalism, anti-nuclear family paradigm. Your pro-abortion, pro-homosexuality and transgenderism agenda. You're going to shut down our churches, shut down our businesses until we bow to the golden image. That's what this is about. This is not about, in the abstract, the government infringing on freedoms. This is about a particular paradigm which seeks to command our absolute, total, and unquestioning obedience and, dare I say it, worship. We cannot, we cannot continually say yes, 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 yes. At a certain point, you have to say no. So pray for our nation's leaders. I'll be praying that we, you, me, the folks we love and care about, would have wisdom. May God grant us grace and mercy and patience and perseverance. And may we be found faithful and may we put our trust in him. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. He will lift us up. Whatever comes, God is faithful and his word is true. And that is a great comfort. But I got to run for right now. That's all I got for tonight. It is a quarter till 9 p.m. Because that's 
how I'm going to be rolling for a while. Who knows how long. As always, though, I thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.